Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin.Review podcast. This is an ad-free pod. Thank you so much for streaming those ads. Today, we have this amazing panel to talk about value for value in the context of Podcast 2.0. It's quite the novel topic. We, you know, This is something that is fairly new for most people. It's something I'm personally very skeptical, just sort of like having decent business experience with like just revenue and, and understanding business dynamics and things like that. But I think uh, that there is a future where there is a place for it. And I also want to explore, you know, people who are doing this successfully and how people who want to do this can do this successfully in a means that, you know, they can really eat, not just survive. I have like quite, quite the panel for this. We have uh, Mr. Adam Curry here. He might know a thing or two about podcasts. Uh, Adam. Hey, man. How you doing? Nice to be a part of this all-star panel. <laughs> okay, we have a soundboard in that. Of course. <laughs> I come with soundboards. You should know that by now. Love it. We have uh, Oscar, who are you a co-founder of uh, Fold or, or uh, yeah, co-founder of Fold. Fountain. It's a very cool app that allows people to to stream sats to pods. Uh, it really enables the the, the pod 2.0 with Lightning. And uh, I use it. Our pod uh, Bitcoin review is there. And we do stream a few sats to Odell as well there as a recurring guest. So welcome, uh, Oscar. Thanks. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, it's Fountain Podcast. That's the name of the app. Sorry. Yeah. I always confuse the two. <laughs> oh, the joys of dyslexia. Gigi. Oh, he just dropped. <laughs> Mr. Odell. I always leave you for last on the intros because everybody already knows uh, our best and most recurrent guest. It's almost like I'm a co-host. Almost. So... Uh, <laughs> So, so Gigi, a lot of people know Gigi for uh, 21 Lessons and, and a lot of his uh, shitposting on Twitter. And uh, he's an all-star Bitcoiner. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now they also will know me for absolutely shitty sound quality because my mic just died on me. So I'll switch mics and I'll be back in 10 seconds or so. You guys have fun in the meanwhile. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a few minutes. So guys, who wants to explain to people what value for value and podcast in the podcast 2.0 context means? I think Adam's got to do that one. I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. Go, go for it, Adam. Yeah, because uh, uh, your introduction was interesting about it being a business model, being able to eat, uh, etc. So maybe just a quick step back, podcasting 2.0, which is a lot more now than it uh, initially was set out to be. The initial intent was create an independent index with a free and open API so developers can come in and create new podcasting experiences. Whatever that means, we're completely open. The main reason for us doing that, myself and Dave Jones at podcastindex.org, uh, was to make sure that no one could be deplatformed. So you may not work on Spotify or Apple or Google or Amazon. But as long as you're using uh, an app that uh, is 2.0 compatible and utilizes podcastindex.org, you'll be there. And now there's, you know, we're over 60 apps and services using it. The second part was the financial deplatforming, which is why I architected the um, uh, Lightning value-for-value -value streaming payments. 
and the boostergrams. Boostergram is actually something new in the value for value space. And I said space. I hate myself. I said space. Damn it. Ugh. I do not like that. Boost. I hurt myself for that. No, John C. Dvorak and I started value for value uh, over 15 years ago on the No Agenda show without uh, any uh, sats or streaming. In fact, all we had was PayPal. And we've used PayPal um, successfully uh, for the past 15 years with other, you know, we are happy to take cash, gold coins, uh, you name it. And seriously, anything is good. Uh, we set up, uh, we actually had to talk to the IRS about our business and the bank because people thought it was really strange, you know, it's why are you showing up with hundreds of checks for little amounts and gold coin, well, not gold coins, but, you know, cash and all these other things. What, what kind of business are you guys running? And so when we finally figured out the structure, because they were very confused about this model, I don't even know if you can call it a business model, but the model, everything started to become an actual business. But there's very, there's real work involved. Most people, and uh, we saw this with weblogging and, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'll just have a weblog and I'll get advertising. And, you know, and we've gone through the whole loop of advertising with podcasting. You know, it's like grow your show, have 10,000 downloads a month, then you can, then you can uh, have advertising. And of course, it's always very disappointing uh, for, I would say, 90%, maybe more of the people who want to make money with their podcast. And uh, what we discovered is if you don't want to deal with advertising, we can go into that, the reasons why. There's something in the human psyche, if you ask people to value the product that you just gave them for free, no restrictions, no paywalls, anything. But if you ask, really ask, and not just, you know, at the end of the show say, oh, did you like this? Throw me some sats. No. If you ask, if you make it clear what you're doing, if you make it clear what the repercussions are of people not supporting it or supporting it, which you've done. I mean, you can, you can come up with all kinds of analogies. The butcher on the shop eventually will go away. So if people care, then they will support it. And the beautiful thing about value for value is you say just whatever it's worth to you. And $5 may be a lot for one person. 100,000 sats may be a lot for one person. Another person may be you know, throwing out uh, 10, 10, 10 million sats as one support. Now, what we did with PayPal was we would always do a segment with the top donors and we would read their little note with the amount. And what's fascinating is that the notes became content, but so did the amounts. People were sending in 420, 69, 314. You know, recently Matt, we had- is that where you got the, the idea for the, the shout outs from? Yes. <laughs> oh man, I- Adam's, I, Adam's a legend. Yes. I influenced him with my enthusiasm, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> The audience loves the shout outs because you bring the audience in. They're not only supporting the show, but they want to be a part of the show. They want to be a part of the process. Yes. I mean, that used to be the, like a huge thing about the call-in shows on radio, right? It was the fact that people could participate, even if it's just call and say hi, right? It's, it's, it's like creating an actual connection with the host is a big deal for a lot of people. So yeah, so like when we have Gigi back now too, and, and Gigi wrote an article about busking right? That I think is super yeah. pertinent to, to a lot of the points you brought up about, you know, simply asking for money, asking in, in regards to like value for value. 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 Exactly. I've never asked for money. Yes. Value. Yeah. Gigi, do you want to add your two cents to that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
And I hope my sound is okay. So different mic. Sound beautiful. <laughs> we can hear you. Awesome. So I think everyone kind of knows that the internet is broken in like a million different ways. And I think it's because the incentives are broken and the incentives are broken because it's actually really hard to make money on the internet because you can't sell digital goods as easily as you can sell an Apple because an Apple is naturally scarce and the JPEG is not. Doesn't matter what the shitcoiners will try to <laughs> convince you otherwise. NFT never going to make it .org. <laughs> exactly. So, so selling a JPEG is really hard because there is no scarcity and a, a market price can't form because you can reproduce it at zero marginal cost. And that's what I think is so interesting about the value for value model because it just is honest about this that building walls around information never works because you can reproduce information perfectly at zero marginal cost. That's why paywalls, I think, don't work. And they especially don't work at large scale. And just walling content off doesn't work because you limit your audience massively. It breaks the internet. Yes, exactly. Well, because Gigi, can, Gigi, can we agree on something? Because you're saying, we're both saying something. It's really important, I think, to just stop and remind everybody that podcasting has been around for 18 years. Um, the, the web has been around for a multitude of that. We still haven't figured out the advertising. Can we take the clue that the shit doesn't work? <laughs> I agree. And it's, it's, it's kind of... The, the it doesn't work for... Wait, wait, no. I, I take some objection there. It works for almost there. no one. So, so it, works, it works in a specific model, right? Like, I mean, you know, you can't deny that, like, you know, you have people making a lot of money. And if they see that as the goal, it works. I'm sorry, who? Who? You know, look at McCormick, look at Joe Rogan, look at, uh, you know, there's plenty of people who make a lot of money from podcasting. Right. But what have they given up for that money? No, listen, right? it, this is the personal choice. Like, mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is why I find this is so important, right? Like, but I'm just, I just want to make, I just want to differentiate Joe Rogan is making money on licensing a very popular product. Yes. He's not making money in advertising and clearly Spotify isn't either. Um, I mean, I, like it costs a lot to advertise on his show per hour, like per, per episode. How much? I, I, I have no idea. I don't think that's true. I think you have to buy all of, I'm just saying we're making assumptions about stuff. Well, at least you used to, but before the Spotify deal, like he used to, to be able to go and buy a spot. Exactly. And the reason why he went to Spotify is because his advertisers were walking away. That I don't know. But we're already getting bogged down in, the, in, in details of like the two most successful people Agreed. that come into mind uh, and like millions of people that produce content have absolutely yes. nothing. Exactly. So, but I, I want to finish the thought from before. Sorry. I think the incentives right. are broken. And the, I think the reason is beca precisely because you can't sell an, a JPEG because, uh, like you can't sell an Apple, a market price can't form. You can reproduce everything that's digital at zero marginal cost. And so we see two models emerging. And the one is just plastering advertisements all over the place and kind of see <laughs> what that's where, like. It's basically either you are the product, that's kind of the, the Facebook uh, and Google business model, which is kind of the content is free and you are the product. So they harvest user data and sell to the highest bidder and they spy on everyone all the time. And the second one is what I call subscription hell, which we see now with streaming video. So you need to have a Netflix subscription, you need to have a Disney Plus subscription, you need to have a Hulu subscription, you need to have like 15 different subscriptions because you force people into these subscription models where you can actually, it's just like signing up to the gym, you know? Like, you know, you just have to convince them once and then, and and then they're yep. wrecked and they just, they will never cancel. And then you have 10 different 
video subscription. And it doesn't work. It worked for Spotify magically with music because they just managed to build a monopoly. But even there, coming back to the main point of like a free and open internet, Spotify is starting to deplatform musicians now even, you know? So this is always, with the, with the platform model, this is always the risk you run into. They're also not making any profit whatsoever, Gigi. Yeah. I, and also, yeah. also the musicians make nothing. So yes, uh, nothing. there is one, one musician who just uh, uh, released one song, I think it was. It, I think it wasn't even an album in the value for value model. And he made like, you know, 40x the money than he made in, in, on Spotify for the last two years. So, so it's, it's ridiculous. Like the ad model, like Adam said, is clearly not working. And it's not working. I think value for value stands for so many things. But I think one of the most important insights that I had is that you cannot sell dig and a digital artifact. The only thing that you can sell online are services and computation. So if you have an AI and you want to pay for that, okay, that's fine. Like the image generation stuff that's happening now, that's fine. It's like you can build a vending machine around that and then you can add the cash and something comes out. For JPEGs, that doesn't work. It just does not work because you can reproduce JPEGs and blog posts and all the rest of it at zero marginal cost. That's why everything that's digital is basically free because you can just reproduce it and the internet and computers are copying machines. And so value for value, what I like about it is it's just honest about this and it's just, okay, we are not building walls around this information if you think it's valuable. And that's why I brought up the busking analogy. You know, everyone knows this about street musicians. Like if no one is paying them, the music will stop. You know this instinctively. And I think if you're honest about this, it just works. And what, what, what Adam knows way better than I do, and we see this also in, in charity data and, and other things, very few people give, it's around like 4% or something like that. But because the value for value model allows for unlimited giving, it's very, very different than having a market price, you know? Like you, maybe you don't give anything back for like three years. And then you hear that the creator is struggling and you do donate like five Bitcoin. And that's not a tip, you know, like that's, yep. that's something else. And, and, and the, combination, the combination of not building walls around digital content and allowing for unlimited value to be transferred is I think what makes it the right model for selling digital artifacts that are reproducible at zero marginal cost. So I think like part of the issue too is that art is not scarce, right? I mean, content is not that scarce anymore. Right, so you know, it may be true that there is somebody who's truly amazing about something. Say, for example, Gigi is great about like writing Bitcoin books. Right, they are wonderful to read, but the information in that book, you know, is available. Right, and other people will probably write maybe a a second grade version of that book. Right, and they are now competing with Gigi. Right, you know, there's only so so many dollars to go around, and I find this in art in general. Right is that there's simply too many good artists out there. So there's less dollars to go to each individual artist, or, you know, it's often a winner takes all, a lot of times if, you know, things that sort of do very well, they're sort of create Lindy and they end up sort of like rising to the top just by you know, the, the sheer dynamics. If, if, I, if I may, I just have to disagree. And I'm going to be very disagreeable today because I've had a lot of these conversations. I welcome it. No, no, seriously. I, and I really do. I want you to know that. Yeah, no, but you say there's there's only so many dollars and because there's so much content, you know, in a socialist model, yeah, in the model where, you know, everyone's supposed to get an equal share or equity, whatever. What happens here is the people who bust their ass and com and connect, connect with the audience. You, know, If you're not connecting with the audience, and this is Joe Rogan, 
love him. I have a, I mean, we're sitting here because of him. If he hadn't uh, recertified me as podfather, this would have been a lot harder. Might not have happened at all. Well, it's not true because we talked about that before you were recertified, I think on ham. So, but the ham Bitcoiners radio, are different. Uh, yes, the, the vast ham radio audience, uh, <laughs> guys with oxygen tubes. That's um, pretty much it. But he he has zero contact. Uh, he considers <laughs> listeners to be fans. You all right, brother? <laughs> we lost. Just, we lost that. The, the ham joke just made me choke on the on my beverage. Here. Like Mama Cass choking on a ham. Oh sandwich. my god. So, <laughs> But, but, Go ahead. but the point is he, and even when I was explaining value for value to him, he's like, so your fans give you money. No, no, no. They're active participants. And the reason why it's value for value and not money for content is I consider value to come in many ways. And this is, this is a much broader concept when it comes to podcasting, because podcasting can use lots of producers. You don't need them. Uh, John and I, we, we, it's two of us we, and we run it out of a, out of his desk drawer, basically. Although we have family members helping us with, you know, spreadsheets and, and back office stuff, but you can ask for value, which can be time, talent, or treasure. So we haven't built a, or maintained a website for our podcast ever. It's all there. Search engines, meetup sites, all of this stuff. And people take great pride in it as long as you thank them, give them credit, et cetera. So, the main thing about the model, if you want, is, and this is, I'm not the only smart person here in Fredericksburg, my wife, who is retired from corporate life, but she was chief communications officer for Ronald McDonald House Charities in Central Texas, her last job, but she's always been nonprofit. And she said, you know, the number one reason why people do not give money to a charity. Do you have any idea? I, I think it's because people just think that most of the money is going to go to managers. Because they weren't asked. <laughs> They, the, it's like, it's an outrageous amount of 80% of the people. If you say, why didn't you donate? No one asked me. You'd be amazed. So this is something that's really hard for people. Most people are not brought up asking for things, certainly not finance. And it immediately feels dirty and like you're a beggar, etc. But when you position it as here's the value is it worth anything to you? If it's worth nothing, fine. I got to question what you're doing with your time since it's completely worthless to you. <laughs> Why are you listening two hours of this worthless content? <laughs> and, it, and it took us, it took us, now, of course, this started in 2007, but it took us about f uh, five years until I finally felt comfortable enough to sell some uh, personal property so I could have a little bit of a cushion and do this full time. Five years. It takes a little bit to build your audience, but the beautiful thing with value for value, and certainly in the podcasting 2.0 realm, is from the minute you release the podcast, your first episode, you see it streaming in. And, and I, man, I got to tell you, it, it gives me chills every single time I yeah. see it. I'm like, holy crap, man, this is like this. And that's a person listening at that moment. I have to butt in here because I think that's terribly important because we only talked about, we only talked about now about kind of the, the, the value for value model that also works with PayPal. 
So it was not a technical innovation. It's just like a, a model innovation, a thinking about digital information differently. And that's very important. That's an important part of it. But it's also now, thanks to Lightning, a technical revolution. And the, 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 the reason why I say this is because the reason why we have the existing business models on the internet is that you cannot do micropayments online. It's impossible. With credit-based money, it's impossible. Like all money, all electronic payments before Bitcoin were credit-based sending IOUs around. So micropayment, you cannot do micropayments, period. The, the costs are too high. And actually Satoshi talked about this as well and so on and so forth. We all know this. But this is so important because that's why we are in subscription hell now, because you have to bully people into signing up for a year so you can batch the transactions. And that's why every subscription starts at like, at like five bucks. You cannot do like 10 cent subscriptions. You can't, you cannot do one cent payments. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Credit risk and counterparty risk does not allow for it. The costs are way too high. It kills you. So every other business model did not work. You could only do surveillance, which is advertisement or subscription hell, which is bullying people into signing up for the gym, going once and then paying for the whole year. Yep. And, and Lightning fixes this amazingly because Lightning are cash payments. It's cash settlement. It's settlement finality. It's instant payments. And that's why streaming sets is so magical because Bitcoiners know this, that these sets are mine. It's not IOUs. It's not PayPal credits. It's not like some other bullshit that someone can take away from you. It's like the coins dropping in your head. Again, back to the, to, to the busking analogy. And this is what enables, and, and thanks to the internet, you know, content is forever. And like, you know, someone could stream sets to this episode in like 25 years from now. Why not? If we don't change yep. our <laughs> node IDs and so on. So, you know, that brings me to this, right? It's incredible that, you know, this is episode, what, 10 or 11, and I have like amazing people here. I started this pod because there was no signal out there except for Rabbit Hole Recap that read all the software updates, yeah. right? It had but nothing to do... Please let me finish one point. I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt again, but this is actually important. Yeah. And because we only had credit money, we did not have real cash money online. We had to use something else for currency, and this currency is attention. And that's, and that's why we have clickbait and everything else, and everything is fucking terrible. That's pretty profound. We had to use something else as currency that works, and it's eyeballs, and it's attention, and it's brain cycles, and it's absolutely fucking insane how everything is gamed, and we are all sitting in Skinner boxes pressing buttons, and we're addicted to Twitter, <laughs> and we're addicted to fucking absolutely everything. Yeah, you're an attention cow. <laughs> Amen to that. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that Bitcoin fixes this. It does. Bitcoin fixes everything. You know, and I'm no, I know it's such an overused phrase, but that's what Adam discovered. Because if you're not dependent on advertisement, first of all, you're not censoring yourself. Second of all, you can do what you love. And if you make enough money to put food on the table and have a roof over your head, that's it. You don't need growth at every cost. You don't need to maximize attention. You don't need to do growth hacking. You don't need to become number one in the top 10 charts. You don't need to be the one Joe Rogan who makes yes, all the money. Yes. Wait, stop, yes. stop, Gigi. Yeah. You, you don't need to be a prophet. I've been, I've been trying Andy to explain Andy you're not to talking people. today. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just... But I got the smartest people that I know on this, on this call. So I want to talk to you guys, Gigi, how do we explain, how do we get people out of the mindset? And, and Oscar, you should chime in on this too, because you're actually in both worlds. My mind is, it's no longer about number one, the top 10, the biggest it's, can I go to beefinitiative.com and buy a beef box with the Bitcoin I made from my podcast, which is what I'm doing now, crazy enough. That's, it's so, you know, but the idea that you have to be the biggest, you have to have more, more is better. Top 10 is, 
this is the point see, that kills me. Guys, guys, see, th this is the problem, right? Like, I completely agree with that. But like, you know, I built myself like a, a decent moat economically and I have, you know, a business that also does well. And, you know, like I already have stuff, right? And we can get into arguments of like how much stuff is enough for people to be happy or not happy. That like, that's very subjective and, you know, whatever. Like, and I agree, I, listen, I, I don't like flashing stuff. I don't like buying expensive things. You know, like I, I get it, right? And I'm I'm on the same page. You know, I know Gigi for some time now. Uh, we understand each other on on that level of of like you know like having a, a more trimmed down life. I believe is is a better life. Yeah, but I'm talking about top ten lists. I'm talking about people believing that. Yeah, no, I know, but but this is important, right? Like there's people who don't have other revenue streams, right? They're stuck in their jobs and, and you know, they want to get ahead in their lives with real money, right? Like an actual substantial amount of money coming in so that they can build their wealth. They can buy a house. They can raise their kids. They, you know, like they, they want real money, right? And what the advertising model does is at the expense of your freedom, right? is to provide you a much faster revenue stream. You can say that's fiat thinking, which I agree. And you know, it's funny is that we, we wanted to support podcasters, right? So we went and we found all the, the podcasters that are sort of like substantially lower on the charts and we, we sponsored them all, right? These are people who not find sponsorship from most of the brands because they can just pay for one sponsorship. So we do that, right? But, you know, as a brand, as somebody who's putting ad dollars to work, there is a certain requirement of like, what do we need? Well, that's the ad row. And we actually tell them all like, please don't make it sleazy, right? Like we want to lower the, the crapness of everything. And, and we're still trying to work within a economic model that we're still sort of slaves to fiat to a certain extent, right? We live in the fiat world. Another VC company is gonna come compete with us and you know, they're going to plow through, try to get customers through that fiat thinking and fiat money. Uh, but anyways, it's just a small tangent there. But I think it's important to understand and not to sort of diminish too much the people who do take out dollars because, you know, people want to build a economically sound life, right? And people come from fiat, right? Everybody comes from fiat unless they were born in Bitcoin, which, you know, our kids are going to be. But, you know, people have mortgages and all this shit. So, I, when I started this, I didn't put it on a fountain yet, but then as soon as like people told me about it, I did put it there and it was absolutely phenomenal, you know, laughable and phenomenal at the same time to see like, you have this sat streaming in, it's like, it gives you such a fucking warm heart. It's amazing. Like it truly is amazing. But at the same time, being somebody who runs like a company that has employees and has all kinds of shit, like lawyers and accountants and all kinds of crap that I deal with on a daily basis, they're like, that revenue is so irrelevant at the same time. And listen, I personally struggle with this because like, I have this pod that has no ads, right? Uh, I pay out of our pocket for Johnny to be the producer here because I want him to have good income and I don't want to take ads. I want the value for value to work. I want all this stuff to be great. But like the economics are still so hard for most yeah, people. I'm just going to stop you there. I'm just going to stop you because it's not true. You, you're trying to translate from an existing business with advertising. You're trying to translate that into something else. Let me t give you a different example. Podcasting 2.0, the project. The only way we felt we could make podcastindex.org viable is if there was no 
money in it, really. No VC, no investors, no nothing. Uh, we put our own, you know, like I think we put 1500 bucks in for liquidity on the node initially. And the first five, in your first month, it was 500 bucks for some servers. So now it's a little bit bigger, but every single week we do what we call as the board meeting. We have, I think from the OP3 stats, maybe 3,000, 4,000 people listening to each board meeting. And yet when we say, we need you to support this project. What we find out is we get in, in donations through, and we, we went from, we started with PayPal and now we've moved over almost 100% to, uh, to, to streaming sats. We're doing about, Amazing. I'm just going to do it in, uh, in fiat fund coupons, about $2,000 a month. That covers the servers. It co covers everything we need. And we get to save a little bit of money uh, for contingency, a couple hundred dollars. But we've, we're also getting exactly what we deserve because we said, I'm not saying I need a Ferrari. No, I'm saying we need to keep this thing running. We're not interested in getting money. It, there's a 1% that goes on to the node. Maybe one day that'll be worth something. We're not, I'm not too worried about it. So it, I'm just saying that you, if, if we said we need to have $10,000 a month, we could do it. We could get the, for the same amount of effort, just a different ask, people will do it. Now, the difference. And this is the, the key is with advertising, you are actually abusing your audience. And I, and I say that respectfully because I come from this world. I've done it my whole life. I sold Skittles and other shit to children. I, I get where you're coming from when you say that. <laughs> like, this is the correct audience to say. Like, yeah. I feel like our audience is smart enough to understand yeah. that you're not trying to offend anyone. <laughs> okay. Wait, MVK. If the sad stream is so irrelevant, uh, then why is my split only 10% even though I've been on every episode? <laughs> because I'm still like, because you're, you're not paying for Joni's salary. <laughs> I, think there's, I think there's another point here, which is often missed in the discussion, especially as the volumes of sats that are being streamed are, it's still, are still quite low. It's, it's definitely still early. I think, and it goes back to what Gigi and Adam were both saying about the incentives here. And right now, if you're a content creator, the thing that you're incentivized to do is maximize your audience attention. And that has terrible negative incentives for 100%. media consumption on the internet. It means that as a creator, you will say, you know, shocking things just to, you know, pull people's attention in. You will frame your content around a clickbait headline. And also you will create content when there doesn't necessarily need to be content because, you know, you're stuck in the YouTube algor algorithm and you need to make a video every week just to kind of, you know, get paid because you get paid for every minute of attention that your audience uh, give you. That is really messed up. And what we can actually do with value for value and streaming sats is flip the incentive so that it's based on a value signal rather than an attention signal. And, you know, that is a fundamentally different thing. And so especially when it's so early, especially when the onboarding for your mainstream audience that don't care about Bitcoin is still quite challenging. Yes, the volumes are going to be small. But in the long term, what this is going to allow is content creators to actually focus on just one thing, which is the value that they're providing to their audience, which is an, an amazing shift. If, if you look at every single big tech platform, it's all driven by that attention signal and look at all the problems we have. If we can change it to a value signal, we can create a much better internet. And it's going to take time to get there. But ultimately, you know, every now and again on YouTube is a great example because everybody knows it. 
every now and again on YouTube, you will find a hidden gem that provides you with so much value. And the reason that you don't discover those more often is because instead, the YouTube algorithm will serve you up with a clickbait headline of some video that was created yesterday about the latest shocking news event. And you don't so, get the news until the 10 minutes in. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so this is, this is so Amen. much bigger than just replacing the advertising income for creators on a weekly basis. So Oscar, it's fixing the incentives. See, on Fountain, I feel like there is ads, right? You guys do promote content as well based on ads. And yeah. is this like this is not a criticism because I still think there is a place for ads. Yeah, me too. In a more sort of ethical way, but like what I'm trying to understand is, is this sort of like a, a in between step on how you find revenue until you can sort of support without those ads, or is this just you trying to find a middle ground and there is better ways of doing things? I think that ads will always be there. I don't think there's anything wrong with a content creator having a sponsor that aligns with what they're doing. You know, RHR has Bitcoin companies that sponsor them, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I don't think the goal here should be to entirely replace advertising. It's just to make the incentives around that advertising better. Can I give you a hybrid model that's, that seems to be happening yes, and slash working? Um, so I like products that I can fully endorse. And by the way, there's a lot of ads on Bitcoin uh, podcasts that I like. And I'm like, oh, that's an, interesting, that's an interesting thing. The way it started to happen with us, with the No Agenda show, and uh, just so you know, we read your note. If it's above $200, uh, then we'll read your note. So what, we're, what we've seen, so first of all, at any point, um, we may talk about a product. I love this product. I love this drink. I love this, whatever, just because that's how people talk in normal discourse. It's not advertising. It's something I like or my partner likes. <clears throat> people will often send in $300 donation and say, hey, I've put together, and there's actually, if you look at noagendalist.com, you'll see it's a business directory. People have set up businesses, CBD, uh, you know, uh, different kinds of health product, all kinds of stuff. And so they're going to give us $300 to mention, it's a short note, say, hey, if you're interested and uh, you get 20% off with the coupon ITM, and uh, we're happy to read that. That's awesome. So now, now someone just, just paid us $300. To me, it was like, they're giving me value. It's not to, not to read that, because I don't have to. If I don't want to read their silly note, and many times, people, like a long ad, I'm not reading that shit. No, I'm not going to read it. If, it. It's a respectful discourse. Do you think you're incentivized further to read because there is income from that? Say your income no. decreased a bit. No, no. Right? It's, in fact, it's quite the opposite. Okay. I, we want to have shorter notes. And we tell people, write shorter, write shorter, because unless you got great content, which often the notes are, it's a personal story, it's relatable to an episode. Otherwise, I'm not in, really interested in your whole backstory. It's still content. So You know, this happened a lot with, with Matt, in the early days of RHR, right? When we launched our cold card product, you know, they were genuine users and they would mention our product quite a bit in the pod. So much people thought it was actually ads. And, you know, I believe that they actually enjoy the product because they were not getting paid to talk about it. And it was extremely helpful. Well, this is actually, to us. this is a perfect example because NVK yeah. was trying to sponsor the show and I told NVK that I didn't want to take his money. That was after. I didn't want people to think. I, I didn't think, want, yeah, yeah, I, we were talking about it because I love the product and I, MVK was like, you guys have, have basically moved so much product for us, let me sponsor the show. And I said, I don't want that attached to me. 
Uh, I want people to realize that I actually enjoy the product and I don't want an advertiser attached to that. Yep. That was right around where we were comfortable enough with revenue. Because like, it had been probably already two years of the product being talked about. And we were like, okay, we're super comfortable with revenue now. Let's go out and support the people who like support us, right? In the early days of seeking this, this sponsor, we, we would even tell them, like, you don't actually have to pump or anything. Just, just mention something. But that's it. Like, we don't have an ad read for you. We still don't, by the way. Maybe this is the time to mention now, Matt, the, the, new, uh, the new thing coming. But uh, I still believe there is, you know, and maybe advertising is the wrong way of calling it, but I still believe there is a ethical way of supporting shows and getting some exposure for the product. And, and I think Adam's way of doing the list, uh, like the, the listing, is, is a very clever way of, of, of doing that and, and sort of giving the, the, removing the requirement of the host to actually like do the thing already helps a lot, I think. I, I want to mention a couple of things that came up and I think we really have to kind of, I agree with you, NVK, for example, that the amounts for most people are still very small. Not everyone has been doing value for value for 15 years and knows the in and outs and knows how to ask correctly and so on and so forth. But that being said, like if you look at content creators today, a lot of people go to YouTube because you can actually make money there. How long did it take for people to figure out how to make money on YouTube? Like YouTube itself and also the creators with, you know, like hit the like button, hit About subscribe. Years. Exactly. It took a long time. We did not even start the value for value transition yet because it was not possible before because we didn't have lightning. So just be a little bit patient and, and just well, that's know that why it's I'm early. having this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm happy <laughs> you know, to. No, no, like, I'm, please, please. I, I'm very happy to be here because these things are important. What I wanted to say is even without lightning, this transition is happening because we have, for example, um, Substack and Patreon and Twitch and Kickstarter and other things. But why do people sign up for Substacks? It's not to crush the paywall because paywalls are stupid and they are not about exclusive content. It's about supporting the creators. Why do people sign up for Patreon? Like those YouTube videos you mentioned, the high signal ones, they oftentimes have many, many Patreons because the people that support them, they know this. He will put out a video like every six months, but it will be amazing. And it's true for some podcasts as well and so on. And they are listener supported. And I think people are aware that the current model is broken. Because as we said before, the current model uses attention as a currency. And if you use attention as a currency, you maximize noise. Garbage. If you use actual value, like if you use proper money as a currency, if you try to maximize value, you maximize signal. And people realize this. And, and, and I think what we can do as Bitcoiners and as people that thought about this stuff and understand actually the in and, in and out of money and credit and the differences, we can build tools that make this absolutely seamless. Just like podcasting 2.0 apps, streaming money is seamless. Boosting is seamless. It's not as good as it can be yet, but it, like, it gets better every week. And we can do the same for text and for video and for many other things. You know, like that's, that's the difference. Gigi, look at Fountain. I literally had to do nothing. I know. I just went on the thing. Props to Oscar on that. Like, I just put my email there and, uh, and had to confirm the email is the email from the podcast. And like, boom, I'm receiving money. 
I mean, that's a lot easier than listing your podcast on uh, Amazon, whatever, or on you know all these platforms that syndicate the pods. And maybe maybe Adam can talk about some of the success stories because in the end, you know, like we are all Bitcoiners and we know how this stuff works and we know how like what's what's happening underneath. But it's not important. And there are some people that started receiving streaming sets and they had no idea that they were using Bitcoin in the first place. And it's not important. What is important is it's not credit. It's actual money. It's settled instantly. You have no counterparty risk. No one can rug pull you. No one can deplatform you. And that's what is important. And this is what fattens the whole, this is what fattens the long tail of content creators. And that's also why you don't need to be in the top 10 to make a living. Maybe you're living in wherever, you know, <laughs> like maybe you only need like 10,000 sets a week and you're going to make it. Like not everyone is living in, in, in Canada or <laughs> wherever, you know, and, and anyone can Cost use it. Cost of living here is expensive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, maybe Oscar has uh, some success stories because he's much closer to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's funny that you say that it's, it's so easy, but it's definitely not easy for the mainstream audience. It's still so, so difficult. I mean, how? I mean, you have to do nothing. Like you just set up the app like literally with an email you need to load up the app with sats people have no idea what sats are and how to no get i Bitcoin. didn't load it with sats i didn't do anything <laughs> you don't as a podcaster but the reason that you didn't is because you already knew what sats were and what bitcoin is but imagine that you're a mainstream podcaster and you don't know what bitcoin is you don't know what sats are before you can talk about sats and value for value and podcasting you want to on your show you're going to go through the same onboarding journey that you're asking your audience to go through so you have to educate yourself as a podcaster first and it's still so difficult i mean our current guide to you know as a, as a brand new listener to fund your wallet with sats involves downloading another lightning wallet transfer transferring with a qr code i mean this is a massive barrier. And until we get to the point where the onboarding for brand new listeners is as seamless as an Apple Pay or Google Pay, and I, will be, I do believe it will get there because, again, the exciting thing about this is that problem exists not just in Podcasting 2.0, but in a, in a bunch of other verticals. But until we get that seamless onboarding for your average person that's never heard about Bitcoin before, then it is going to be difficult and it is going to limit the podcaster growth as Have well. Have you looked into... Uh, receiving because you don't want to KYC people. It's kind of the whole point, right? So you can't take credit cards to load those wallets, right? But have you looked into maybe accepting gift cards as a way to buy Sats to load their wallets? Because it doesn't take much. I mean, like five, ten dollar Amazon gift card. It's like can I just can I just stop us for one second before sure. we get to the because the onboarding because Oscar's saying something important here, and I have historical knowledge that tells us something that there's a way to do this. When podcasting 1.0 started 18 years ago, we had to tell people to go to the website, find the orange RSS icon, right click, hit copy link, go to your podcast, uh, your podcatcher, we called them, go to subscribe, paste that link in there, and then hopefully it'll start to show up. And you know what? People did it and people yes. did it and people did it and people did it. Because the most power, the, no, the only marketing tool in podcast, in my humble opinion, is the podcasters themselves. So Oscar is completely right. The podcasters go through an onboarding and then they have to onboard the audience. And I think it's almost impossible for that to be simultaneous. You need to 
help your audience walk them through it. I started a podcast with my wife, Curry and the Keeper, and it's not, it's only in podcastindex.org. It's not on any other platform. And we only accept value for value streaming sats. It is like pulling teeth. This is a little, little different audience uh, than No Agenda. They're much less sophisticated. It's a lot of women. Not that they're less sophisticated, but they are more, women are more prone to not even use a podcast app. That's fact. That's stats. They have 40% click on the player on a website. And to get them to help to onboard them, it's, it, it's been incredibly painful and beautiful at the same time. And, but that's my job as the podcaster for my community. But you know, Adam, the biggest issue with onboarding people into SATs for other things, not just podcasting, is, is, is ultimately the on-ramps into Bitcoin, which are gate-capped by traditional finance. No, no, I, I completely understand. Yeah, so, so like, I am with you, like, on, I, I am an honest believer that adoption happens, it's just a matter of time, if the thing is good, right? Like people learn how to use email. People use how to learn how to use a keyboard. You know, like computers com were completely like, you know, foreign. But podcasting, people learned how to consume and use podcast tools because the podcasters were walking them through it. So when I help someone on, on, onboard them um, through Cash App or through uh, uh, Strike, that helps them onboard into the general ecosystem. I think you have something of extreme value there. It sounds like obvious, but it's not. You know, I was just thinking like, you know, my pod is in a bunch of platforms and all of them are not Fountain, right? Like, I mean, Fountain is one of them. Well, you're so, in, you're, but you're in, in 10 other apps as well with value for value. Yeah. Exactly. And those other apps have the 90% of the audience, right? So... Maybe what I should yeah, be doing, and I think there, there are ten, at least ten apps and, and web apps, yeah. etc., that do value for value streaming. Right. Uh, so one of, with all respect to Oscar, one of the things that uh, podcasters uh, are are do, they're doing something which I wish they didn't is they're always promoting Fountain. So it looks like it's only Fountain that does this, whereas many people don't even know their existing app may do it. And maybe it's because Fountain is great and it's so easy to use. And this is, but this is a really Correct. important point as well. Correct. This is a really important point. What I found from speaking to podcasters as well, again, outside of Bitcoin in the mainstream world, one of the most appealing things about this payment system is that it works on different apps. So as a podcaster, they can see that future where they won't have to ask, okay, if you want to sign up on Patreon, go here. If you use PayPal, go here. If you use Spotify, use their in-app thing. If you use Apple Podcasts, sign up to their subscription. Podcasters see that this works across apps, and that's, I think, really powerful and appealing to mainstream podcasters. So, Oscar, I don't know if it was you or your partner who emailed me about adding the, the intro or outro, talking about that stuff. And I think this marries Adam's point uh, very well. It's like... I was completely ignorant to the fact that by just me saying on my pod out loud on the beginning or the end saying, hey, you know, participate in the pod 2.0 value for value thing by going to this app or that app, just introduces 90% of my audience that had no idea that this even existed to this. And, and it's like, it's near free and it's fully to my value as a podcaster to even find more revenue 
to onboard these people to these apps. And, and it's like, and it's a free advertising in a way to the whole industry of value for value. The key thing here is we're trying to fix the incentives. The incentives are broken. So when we're talking about incentives and the cool part about podcasting 2.0 is that it does fix the incentives. When we're talking about apps, one of the things is, is a lot of these podcasting apps, besides surveillance, they didn't have a monetization scheme. Now they're able to take a cut of the podcast stream. So they're going to all start implementing these apps. The second thing when we talk about incentives is previously the incentives were set up to make it so that a Pomp or a Peter McCormick or a Joe Rogan did really well because they were inauthentic. They were marketing people. Everything was clickbait. Everything was attention-driven, attention-driven. The incentives in this completely flip and they reward people that 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 have radical transparency, that are authentic, right? You can't half-ass this. You can't go, you can't do one step into the pool. You have to go, you have to go all in and ultimately Bitcoin, the open source movement, these are these are movements of personal responsibility. Value for value is is exactly the same. You you have to actually be responsible for your actions, responsible for serving your audience, and you have to live it. It's a lifestyle, it's not a business model. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. I mean, there is no way back, right? I mean, once you start saying controversial stuff that you wouldn't if you had an advertiser, like, I mean, yeah, advertisers are gonna go listen to your original episodes. They're going to say, sorry, your stuff is on the internet. We can't ever take it. On the incentives thing that that Matt was saying. So the, I think the genius of value for value in podcasting is this, is the value block split. Um, And this has gone to a level and, and Oscar is, I mean, I have a lot of, lot of enthusiasm for what Oscar is doing with Fountain and the incentives inside that ecosystem, which it, a lot of it is specific to Fountain, but Hey, they're doing it. I'd like to see it work other places, but when you embrace the lifestyle and you, you, your value for value with your audience. So one of the things that we have is a fresh new album art every single show. And, you know, we have maybe 10 or 20 different pieces to choose from, which we choose right after the show before we publish. I finally got artists to start putting their get Albi address. Easy. So just go get a wallet. Get, get Lightning, Albi, address. Get a- Lightning address. Let's not make the same mistake. Thank Lightning you. addresses thank you. are thank, bigger than LB. <laughs> thank, thank you, Gigi. And I, and I wish there was a place I could send people when I just said, get a lightning address and it would be clear to them. But that is now currently, and you're just going to, that's always the way it's going to work. So you're right, a lightning address. Uh, what they do, but it has to be a specific kind because of key send. So I make it easy. Anyway, they're now putting their lightning address in their profile. And I'm giving them 10% of, uh, of each episode. And we don't even, we haven't even started to promote V4V streaming and boostergrams on no agenda yet. It's just coming in. And now these artists are seeing sats coming in for the work they were doing just for credit and just for, for bragging rights. Now they're, they're getting actual monetary value. No one said to me a single person. And there's, we, we give almost all of our, all of our streaming stuff away. No one said, man, it's shit money. No, yeah. everyone's like, this is amazing. I can't believe what's happening. And yeah. here, you know, here's I did. Uh, one, what, <laughs> please, I bit my tongue now for so long. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> one, just one second. Go for it. Go for it. And I want to make this point again because like 99.999% of the people don't understand this yet. The reason why this works is because it's actual cash money. So you don't need identity. You don't need to sign up. You don't need to ask for permission to receive it. I can just throw it in your head. And that's why it's so different from all the, like, that's why, why Apple will not be able to do it. 
you cannot copy this because if you want to copy this in a permissioned closed system, if you're not using Lightning, you're falling back to traditional money, which is credit. And then you can't do micropayments. You can't do it across, you can't, you can't do it in the same way. You have to do your own internal accounting and to counter fraud and chargebacks and all the rest of it, you need to know the debtor and the creditor. You need to know the sender and the receiver. You need to, you need to deal with all this. You, and then you're back to like 5% credit card processing fees. And this is what's so revolutionary by marrying Lightning, like, putting together the Lightning Network and the value for value idea, now we have programmable cash money where we can do all these things like splitting the value flows. And if we were honest about that, that you're, you cannot sell information outright, it's voluntary payments always. And the, 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 the value splits will also be voluntary. And that's what we are seeing. And people are pull, putting themselves into the value splits. App developers, apps themselves, people that do the, the album art. And now, you know, like it's podcasting 2.0 and it's like one year old, a little bit more, like we're beyond early. Imagine the same thing for text-based stuff, for video-based stuff, and for like citations, giving stuff, uh, like giving people a 1% value split for because you used citation in, in, a, in a text, remixing content, remixing video, music, podcasts, everything. You know, like you can do this for every digital content. And I think it's the, it's the right model and we can finally do it. It's, it's just about building it out and, you know, taking the 10 years it took for YouTube or the 15 years to how to do it right and how to put proper money in there and, and realizing that this is a different way of, of like putting a value on something. It's a pricing revolution because you cannot find a market price for JPEGs. It's absolutely impossible. You have to think about this differently. You have to do it differently and it will be done differently and people will figure it out. And you know why they will figure it out? Because they will be deplatformed from everything else. Absolutely everything else. You know, people love in Bitcoin love to say, you know, porn is going to adopt Bitcoin and all that stuff, right? The reason why it hasn't it's because you know the, the the big porn industry requires credit cards, and credit cards are a great pool, right? So you put your credit card on that thing, and forever <laughs> they'll take money from you. And what's fascinating is that there is this whole sort of like cam girl, e girl sort of thing that happened after that as like modern independent porn. Let's call it this way, uh, because even though they do charge people to have a subscription, the majority of the money that they make is from people who sponsor their lives. Right? They have a connection with these people, with their customers, and their customers often will sort of like give them like big gifts and sort of like they participate in their lives. It's fascinating because we're essentially all going back to a model pre-fiat, right? In the it, way back in the times of kings, what it would happen is you find an artist, right? And you patron that artist, right? Because you want the stuff that this person has to make to exist. Right. And it's, it could be for many reasons. Maybe, maybe for you, it's pride, right? Like you have, you say, Hey, listen, I own Picasso. Like the guy is mine, you know? Um, or, or maybe it's because you just want to see his stuff exist, or maybe because, you know, you think your city is going to be more special because he has his art in it. But I absolutely love this about Bitcoin is like this, it brings back this dynamic where you're thinking more of long term, you're thinking more, you're part of the art in some way, even if that's like some very, like not great way of thinking about it uh, in my own personal morals or whatever, it's still a participation in that. It's not like, uh, it's not charity. 
and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this is uh, this is a point that maybe sometimes gets lost in all this. And I think like Adam on the beginning sort of brought this up about being value for value, not like give me money because I'm a charity case. That's also why the language is so important. Yes. And I, I, I think, you know, like uh, you, you're also a person who knows that language is important because, uh, you know, like hardware wallets, signing devices and so on and so forth. And I think it is really important to not think about this as tipping. Like the, because a lot of people still kind of get this wrong, and I think it's for two reasons. Like the, the this, and and I, I like what's happening in the in the podcasting world. I, I'm sure for text, for example, it will be different. But in in the podcasting world with podcasting 2.0, we have you know the baseline, which is the streaming sets, and we have the boosts, which is like uncapped. And if you if you really want to like double down on your Boost. support. <laughs> yeah, you press the boost <laughs> button. And again, like the, the, the beauty about permissionless money is it's it's uncapped. It, it does not have like a, a maximum price that you can pay. Again, like price, pr the pricing mechanism has to work very, very differently. And like, is 15 Bitcoin a tip? You tell me. I'm not sure if I would call it a tip. It's something else. It's I, I wouldn't call it a big tip, you know? It's it's it really is something else. And it goes back to again the idea of, of, of a, a Patreon edge. It's like you love this person so much, you want to continue like just you know <laughs> pay them for their life make this art produce this content talk about the things you think are that are important write about the stuff that you think is important and so on and so forth but i want to i want to mention one more thing which is lost on many people because most people that discuss this in a kind of cynical way are insanely privileged they all have identities they all have bank accounts they all have paypal accounts they all use i don't know venmo cash map cash app and so on there are many 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 people that can't do all of that there are many people that don't have any identity they don't even have the legal requirements to open a bank account or, or get a paypal account or anything like that and they can they they too can install an app and start start receiving sets they can get a lightning address, you know, and start receiving money. And this is so powerful. People, people just don't know it yet. People are so ignorant about how the internet works, about Bitcoin, about lightning, about all these things. But they will, they will learn. It's scary. It's scary to people. A lot of it is just scary. You know, also asking for money is scary. Asking for value is scary. My, my biggest success, which I'm still working on, is uh, Texas Slim. He's, uh, you know, he... He does a value for value, his whole beef initiative, beefinitiative.com. And he knows that one avenue to get revenue in is value through his podcast. And, you know, I've, we've been talking for, you know, well over a year and a half, I think ever since Marty introduced us. And I finally found a way, because this is a guy from Amarillo, Texas. They don't even ask to go to the don't even ask to be taken to the hospital when they've been bucked off and have a you know, broken collarbone. They will drive themselves. And I'm not kidding. It's, it's nuts. So for him to have to ask, he couldn't do it. And then I said, well, let's find an analogy in your life. One thing that everyone in Texas, even in the panhandle knows about, is a barn raising. You know, when it's time, everyone has a barn. When it's time for my barn to be built, everyone comes around to my barn and we raise the barn. And when it's my neighbor's barn, we're all going to go to his barn because everyone comes with a skill, carpentry, cement, whatever it is. And if you, and I said, can you remember how you motivated people to come to the barn raising? Yo, yeah, sure. It's time to raise the barn. Let's go, everybody. That's it. That's exactly what you have to do. But it's scary shit. No one's ever had to do this before. You know, Adam, that's that's a function of the loss of connections, right? Like we're way past the Dunbar number. Oh, absolutely. Of course. People are no longer connected with the people that they trade with. 
And, and I mean trade with, like, in the good old sense of it, right? Like your neighbor, right? You exchange eggs for, for beef or whatever, right? Because nobody can do everything. So, you know, I find that it's very hard to find people you can do deals with, with a handshake, right? And progressively, at least in my life, I try to do more and more business with people who I can do over a handshake. You know, we'll still do contracts and whatever, depending on the size of the deal or just formalities after. But, like... You know, I don't want to do business with people. I can't shake my hand. Like, I just, I can't. You know, I've done like multi-million dollar deals with people. They're like, you know, I think I made a mistake on the contract. Can we fix it? You know what I mean? And the other party asks if to fix it. It's like, here, yeah, sure. Why not? Right? I mean, it's we're in this together for a long time. You know what I mean? And and what I love about the, the Bitcoin standard and, and bringing everything back to this is that it forces you to still have that. It brings you back to a, you know, I hate the word community because it's not. It, it's, it just brings you back to having a web of trust. You know, your, your guys, right? Like you're doing business with your guys, right? Like these are your boys, right? And you can count on each other to have flexibility, right? And flexibility means that people can do even more. So anyways, it's, it's like this does bring back the value for value part, in a way that you start creating a, 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 a connection and like your audience is part of the show in a certain way. And, and Adam is spinning around. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> love it. So anyway, so, so like, I want to believe, right? I want this to happen. I think it's happening. I just, you know, as, and I'm an optimist by, by, by nature. I just, you know, one of the things that did bring me like, a lot closer to believing this could happen is the fact that I saw how Fold has a middle of the way plan and it does see how having this bringing back to the ethical advertising, like having some stuff in the middle to get you there. <laughs> Just to make Adam flip there. It's Fountain, not Fold. Fountain, fountain I yes. tell you, Fountain. I'm going to keep, no, I, did, I, I just can't, you know. Oscar, I'm going to find a way of getting you Fold's domain and then we're going to resolve this problem very easily. <laughs> uh, uh, there's nothing like just, you know, get the domain if you can't change the name. So anyways, I want, and, and this is also my pet peeve with, with uh, uh, free and open source too. So I want makers to eat. I want the people who produce to do well, you know, and, and that's exactly what this does, though. That's what Matt was explaining. And, and that was by design, by design to get the everyone who is, is involved in the value chain that the, where the Satoshis flow through. As long as it's all transparent, then, you know, it, no one cares that Breeze takes 4%. No one cares that uh, Oscar takes 5%. No one cares the podcast index gets 1%. No one cares. They understand that that is exactly what this created. Hosting companies are now also seeing how they can be a part of the value chain. So it's what you're describing is exactly what is happening. It's just... Um, it's the only people who know it as usual, just, you know, developers, mainly builders, you know, they understand it, they see it. Um, I don't know how far that pops to the top of the stack, but we're just, it's, it's just a waiting game as far as I'm concerned until everyone sees this is the only way to go. This is all funny because like most people here won't understand this, but like, you know, with amateur radio, like by <laughs> law, you cannot make money from. Right. And, and it's hilarious. Right. Because like forever people tried, people got even in trouble for trying to get somebody to order pizza for them. There's a funny sort of case around that. But anyways, the, 
it's fascinating that like there's this whole infrastructure that was built. I mean, it's dying because these guys are all dying. But like, and now it, it sort of found regrowth with with digital radio, right? I mean, like you have all these kids doing FT8 and all this stuff, and it's like exploding again. Not just kids, brother. Uh, I do yeah. FT8. We're talking <laughs> ham radio in case everyone's interested, but I, it's kind of nerdy. You no, know, and 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 it's funny because you you do see now the old farts coming in because you see them using proper shortenings of Morse on FT8 and on JS8, right? The way that they write is not cursive. They're writing- Dude, in- you are such a nerd. You're just a, <laughs> a massive nerd. You know, it may not come out that way, but I am. Anyways, but the point is you have all these people who invested thousands of dollars in their antennas, in their radios and all this stuff just to participate and to communicate and to build networks and to be available for catastrophes and to do all this like amazing shit out of the goodness of their fucking hearts. And some of them found ways of finding income on this stuff by building radios and selling them, by selling radio plans, by, you know, offering courses, you know, sort of like busking around in some way, you know, to find income and do what they love uh, full time. But, but it is a lot more challenging. I don't think we can deny, at least in this stage, that it's substantially harder to find full-time income uh, uh, from this new medium, this new method, uh, than it is from just taking advertising money. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. No one can come in and just get ads and make a living. Bullshit. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. But someone can come in and convince one person to give them a full Bitcoin. So I'm sorry, that's just not, you can't just take ads. This was the promise that we're now finding out is not true. Every single hosting company built in dynamically inserted advertising. It's going to be great. And you know what's happening now that they've all implemented it? They're running as fast as they can to do 2.0 and value for value because it's not working. It's just not working. No, no, that doesn't work. Those ads don't work. Right. But you're just, okay, I agree. Anyone who has a Bitcoin podcast can probably get Swan Bitcoin to advertise. I completely agree. And if you want to have meetings, I mean, is that really easier? Is it really easier? I mean, I don't have meetings. I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to chase money. I don't have to send out invoices. I don't have to think about accidentally mentioning Coinbase when Swan is, is advertising. I have no censorship because of that. And censorship is not just dirty words. I'm just going to speak for ourselves. Here's how we do with a lot of our podcasters. If they have a decent uh, premium discount uh, on their rate, we buy their ear and we prepay. Like, that's it. No, I'm, look, dude, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you're really nice. And I'm <laughs> sure you, you feel that that's giving back to the community. But you know what happens if you die or you you go nuts or you uh, you know oh decide- no no it's it, like they're beholden to that no I I a hundred percent agree okay. with you like I totally like it's really no better than being beholden to YouTube it's just you're friendlier the model cannot depend on that because you know what maybe tomorrow I'm not the one managing podcasting shit inside my company exactly. and somebody else exactly. doesn't want to do that right like exactly. I a hundred percent like we cannot have the model depend on people's altruism. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to shut up for a bit now because I want to hear, really want to hear Matt and Oscar talk and Gigi, but there's one thing we have, to, we cannot overlook. Unless you have outstanding content, nothing's going to fucking work, okay? Oh, and I there's agree. a lot of shit in the 4.2 million podcasts that I see, most of it. And by my own, my own personal opinion, doesn't mean someone else doesn't love it. And that's exactly why that one crappy 
thing with the shitty audio is really valuable to some community. They can support it. It'll be, it'll be ignored and neglected by advertising, by promotion, by anything else. It'll be obscuriated because by people like me, what a piece of shit that is, no sound, but they still have an opportunity to do something. But without a product, without a pro with a substack with bad writing is just bits. It's not emotion. It doesn't motivate. It doesn't do anything for you. A podcast is something that people dedicate their time to. And uh, Gigi can talk more about time, but time and value. This is the world that we live in, certainly as Bitcoiners. I just don't see how it can be any worse than anything. <laughs> it, it is just... You listen, podcasts are a lot of fucking work. Jesus Christ, man. Like even with Johnny helping, oh my God, man, it's a lot of work. Michelle Obama put a lot of work and, <laughs> and a lot of money went into her podcast and no one cared. Yep. And even though it's Michelle Obama, it just wasn't a great product. You know, most of the songs on Spotify just aren't great. So just because you can do it doesn't mean that that's going to motivate someone on an emotional level. And, and that's got to be really clear uh, because that, that's often lost in the shuffle of do the podcast, you'll get ads. Uh, no, no. Unless it's Bitcoin. <laughs> Literally. Hey, I, if I started a wedding podcast, you know, I'm sure I can get it. I'm sure I can get an underwriter for that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's a ahead, very well-known model in publishing. So that's, yeah. that's fine. I'm with you there. Go ahead, man. I mean, look, the ad model, the ad model is broken. It incentivizes all the worst content. So if you have bad content that like takes advantage of your audience, like it's easier to do the ad model because that's exactly how the incentives line up. But, you know, <laughs> that, that's genius. And we're in the adoption phase right now, basically, of, of value for value. We're in the growth early, 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 early stages. So, you know, there's a lot of education that has to come with it. But the, my viewpoint is, is this will make content significantly better. It will make it more useful to audiences everywhere. And ultimately, there needs to be people that, that lead that movement in the beginning, right? Someone's got to step into the front line in the beginning. And it'll be a longer march for those people because they're in the beginning. But ultimately, in five years, 10 years, some kid with a computer and no good mic or whatever, but has something to say to the world and wants to, wants to talk, is going to be able to easily, with very little friction, provide good content to a global audience and be able to directly monetize from that audience without any middleman, without any broken incentives, just them and the audience. So, I mean, we can extend on that or like, so we have a lot of people who are builders, coders, people who can actually produce stuff and create the new things tomorrow, like listening to this pod, right? So this is not like your normie audience, right? Like our pod is like a lot of technical people listen to this. What each of you would like to see built that, that would facilitate pod 2.0 and value for value. If there is people who can build it or some of the people who listen to this podcast, I'd love for them to hear from people who, like all you guys have been in, in, you know, in podcasting for some time, uh, some of you who've been a little longer than some others. What are the things that, that need to exist that we can identify now? 
yeah, so so why don't you each of you sort of like give us some some of the things you want to see exist? So Odell. Well, one of the cool things about podcasting 2.0, and I applaud Adam for this, is 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 that it is built on open standards, right? So it's it's open RSS, and it uses pub keys, like just Lightning pub keys, super simple. And one of the cool aspects of that is there's this project called Geyser.fund that basically just built right on top of that. And Geyser.fund, you can think of it as like a Kickstarter or like a Patreon, but self-custody with Bitcoin. And as a result, I was able to take Citadel Dispatch, which is 100% value for value show. I was able to put it on Geyser.fund. And now when people stream via podcasting 2.0, whether that's through Fountain or whether that's through Breeze or Echo, LN or Podverse, like it shows up there. There's a live leaderboard. And I, I said earlier, radical transparency buy-in from the audience. It shows exactly how much Citadel Dispatch is making, exactly how much the audience is supporting. It shows their messages. It shows their names. If they, optional, right? They can do anonymous. They can do without a message. It shows all that so that I don't have to tell the audience. They don't have to trust me with how much support I'm getting from them. They can see it. They can be a part of it. I think that's massive. And then I think on the technical side, you know, self-custody wallets on Lightning, not easy. You know, there's a reason why Fountain is using a custodial wallet. That's a central point of failure. That's not a great situation. Oscar does not want to use a custodial wallet. He's not even managing the custodial wallet. He outsources it to another custodial wallet company that holds all the user funds, right? So, so I think particularly if you want to talk about the demographics of our show, there are a lot of Bitcoin developers out there, right? And, and so how do we make Lightning easier to use in a sovereign way? that is convenient and easy to use in a sovereign way would be a, would be a massive massive win f for this you know space in general yeah i i basically would have said the same thing i thought about this a lot the last couple of weeks because it's a topic that's dear to my heart and uh, you know as we all know bitcoin is dead again so um, better sit down and think about how to rebuild it right <laughs> and i i came up like i i wrote this laundry list of how i see like a value-enabled web that could flourish. So I'm working on a piece of long-form writing, which is called a vision for a value-enabled web. And I posted this out today and it, it just says, it should be trivial for, trivial for those who produce value to receive value. It should be trivial for those who cherish valuable content to send value to those who produce it. Allow content and metadata to replicate freely. Allow value to flow freely. Do not build walls around content or metadata. Make identity optional. Allow those who add value to participate in value flows. Make unethical behavior costly. Provide tools and services that add value and bring joy. Use money for monetization, not attention. Sell services, not user data. That's kind of like a bullet point list manifesto of like a value-enabled web, which should realign incentives, as Matt said before. Like, again, I think everyone can agree that the, the incentives are, are terribly, terribly broken and that's what needs fixing first and foremost. In terms of receiving value easily, I think Lightning addresses are already a godsend. I think it's way, way better than having to deal with, you know, node pub keys and those kind of things. Um, but they have the drawbacks. So I think on the Lightning side, we need reusable payment codes that kind of where you don't have to be online all the time. Like that's one very important technical piece. 
There are many other things. The onboarding question is a big one, as Adam explained before, but this will take care of itself because the platforming will continue until onboarding improves, you know, like it's just every, everything else will get rock pulled and Bitcoin will remain. And so I think it's just about explaining this to people and making it as seamless as possible, but not making it so seamless that we reintroduce all the bad things of, you know, closed platforms, walled gardens and counterparty risk and credit and those kind of things. So we have to do this right. And we can't like people, if they, my, my favorite example of people figuring out technical stuff was the Arab Spring. People figured out overnight what DNS settings are and how to use a VPN. Yes. So if the pain is big enough, people figure it out. And it's just currently the pain is not big enough. And people will figure it out because they will get the platform from Spotify and from everything else. And also the people that are the early adopters, they will start making serious money with streaming sets and with boosts and with other things. And it's already happening. Like some people do it full time already and it's beyond early. No, no one is on Lightning yet, like globally speaking. So, and it only works with Lightning. I want to re-emphasize this point. It only works with Lightning. It only works with non-credit based money. That's the only way it works. So Gigi, what do you want to see built? Yeah. Again, reusable, reusable payment codes on Lightning is important. So, I want to, is that, and, is that and like I, kind of like a like a LN URL kind of thing? Bolt twelve or Bolt twelve? Bolt twelve kind of thing. But but uh, to be more specific, I want to also see apps that. I mean, video is really hard because the hosting is so hard. But there it's is expensive. no reason. Yeah, there is no reason why we can't why we can't do value for value in a podcasting 2.0 style for text-based content. There is no reason. You just, and LB is on the right track. LB, the, the, the stuff that LB is building is awesome. Like parsing lightning addresses out of existing websites and YouTube um, videos and Twitter profiles and just coming up with their own formats and defining their own metadata that you can easily add into pages and just making the payments invisible. The beautiful thing about podcasting 2.0 is that the payments are invisible. You just start streaming sets and you press the boost button and confetti is flying and real money is sent in real time. And settlement is instant and final. And the same can happen for text-based content, like building something like a Substack that's, that's based on these principles should be trivial. And the way I yes. think about this is you have to build the Git first before you can build the GitHub or the various GitHubs. So it doesn't have to be completely decentralized. Like content always benefits from centralization in a sense that you want to have indexes that are central, you know, like, but you, you want to have an open system where the exit costs are really low and when, where, where you, it doesn't matter when you get deplatformed. Like it's, it's kind of trivial to move from GitHub to GitLab, for example, or to, to self-host your own stuff. And that's the important part. That's also why podcasting is so great. It's funny you brought GitHub because, like, the the big the, the value add for GitHub is pull requests, issues. It's metadata. That's why and project. I, it's all the stuff around it. Yeah, it's metadata. That's right. why one one of the points that I listed before is do not build walls around content or metadata. Yep. And being sort of like realistic in, in regards to the, the the current market, right? Like, is that people? That's exactly where people will build the the walls around, right? Until they get real competition from non-walled alternatives. We need to we need to reduce the friction across the board for yep. using for using it in a sovereign way, right? Like people aren't going to we've seen it time and time and time. People are not going to read a book. People are not going to, you know, watch like 2-hour YouTube video to figure out if something works. Like yep. they want what's most convenient. And th that's the and, 80%. And we need I mean, to th make, there is a reason yeah. why the 80% always gets rugged. 
right? It's because the 80% are not going to do the research. They're not going to do the learning. They're not going to take self-responsibility. So they just going to emulate what the other 20% do. Well, we can hope they emulate the other 20% will do. Oscar, what, what do you want to see built aside from your awesome app getting improved and more stuff coming? But like, what else do you want to see? Yeah, there's definitely still a lot to do in the Fountain app. Um, we're getting there, though, slowly. Um, I think for me, the number one thing is the Fiat on-ramp. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be Fountain that does this. It needs to come from outside. But for me, my dream is the ability for somebody that's never heard of Bitcoin before, doesn't know what Lightning is, doesn't know what SATs are, to in one or two clicks within the fountain app to be able to you know get their first sats and send that boot send that first boost which is the magical moment for all of our users it's why people love doing it because it feels good there's a connection when we started we thought this was going to be all about the value to the podcaster but actually it's so valuable to the listener too because you went from a state where you're listening to the show and you have absolutely no connection with them other than maybe going to their website and sending them an email Whereas now, as you're listening, you feel connected to the host and you feel like you can reach out and, and send a boost or a message or a question. So I think for me, it's all about giving more people that experience of sending their first boost. And right now, it's just so difficult for your average person to, to get over those humps. You say that, but like, you know, it's funny, like on the beginning of Bitcoin, right, we were there, like there was no way of getting Bitcoin. I mean, like the first time I got Bitcoin, I had to go meet with a guy at a Starbucks and the price was found through another ARC chat where it was going back and forth. Like that's there was the Bitcoin price chart, like channel. Uh, and you met with the guy, gave cash, and you know you both bring your laptops and you sort of like you know send it to each other kind of thing. And then like the the biggest, I believe the the revolution of of like how Bitcoin really started to happen was because we had all the taps. There were a lot of taps where people could go and pick up a few free sats, right? In those days, it was kind of full Bitcoins uh, for a while. And then it was just, uh, you know, uh, like a tenth of a Bitcoin and sort of so on. But people were able to get a few free of this thing, this magic internet money that you could use to sort of like go and just test it out. Because, you know, any network has always a chicken and egg problem, right? So, and and I find that the Lightning, like I am, you know, guilty of using only uh, um, custodial Lightning wallets, right? Because I I already have enough shit in my life, enough Bitcoin in my life, enough sort of like tech to take care of that I don't want to deal with yet one more thing. So I use this, the, the least invasive custodial Lightning wallets that I could find so that I can have an easy experience. And I can totally understand how like, your average person, your average listener, like how the hell is he going to be able to get a sat to like then send it out? <laughs> you know, like that's a tall order to ask, right? It's like, get a set. Oh, now you have a set. Well, I have this goofy. Oh, no, I'm going to send it out, right? So it's like, I don't know. Maybe, you know, is it you guys finding like people that want to sponsor those free sets? Maybe it's not free sets. Maybe they have to perform a task. You know, Amazon Turk, maybe they have to go click some caption. I'm joking. But like, I think, I think we need to let them buy though, because there's two magical moments. The first is sending your first boost and just realizing that you can. And you can do that with a small amount of sats. And that's why in Fountain, we do actually give you free sats to, to experience that first boost. 
But the second magical moment is actually sending a large boost and actually saying thank you through that medium. And that's the one where, you know, whether it's Fountain or a sponsor or a partner, we might we probably won't be able to get to that level. And so we need the easy purchase mechanism, whether it's in Fountain or somewhere else where we can easily send it back. I mean, Strike's amazing, but it's only available in the US. So, you know, we're, we're very limited um, here and in other places. Is there a Sats Fountain anywhere? I don't know of any. I mean, like the Sats back stuff. Sorry, a, a, a Sats tap. Yeah, like the Sats back stuff, Fountain gives or lets you earn Sats, but not like our old school, uh, like Bitcoin fountains. Can we monetize the ethical advertisers to, give, to get them to give the first Sats to the people on the platform to then? I mean, I think that's tangential. I think okay. lucky for Oscar and all of us, it's getting easier and easier to acquire Bitcoin. And I think a lot of people are working on that. I have a quick question for Oscar because we keep talking about incentives. As someone, you know, Citadel Dispatch, I've been building Dispatch focused on the value for value concept, right? So I'm, I've been, I've, you know, I've been eating, I've, I've been eating my own dog food or dog fooding it or whatever. Like I've, I've been living it. And one thing I've noticed is a pain point, and we keep talking about incentives, right? And, and not having broken incentives, having solid incentives. As a Bitcoiner, it is blasphemy for me to use a custodial wallet. So I started my value for value with my own node. I still use my own Lightning node to this day. Unfortunately, what I've noticed is, first of all, you've been crushing it. We talked about convenience. People want convenience and people believe, I mean, the Fountain app competes with the best podcast apps in the world. It's a proper podcast app, right? It's not like people are doing a trade-off to get to, to, to value for value. And as a result, Fountain has been dominating the podcasting 2.0 space. Uh, the majority of my value for value listeners are listening through Fountain. But what I've noticed is a lot of the tools that you are building within Fountain have this perverse incentive where the podcasters that are using the custodial wallet have a significant advantage over me using self-custody. I have a, I have a, there's a broken incentive in there. And I'm curious if when you're rolling out these tools, if you're considering that, because I understand that short term, it's good for fountain, but I think long-term, if you think about the long-term incentives, you think low time preference, it's better for fountain. If this is a thriving open ecosystem, that fountain is just one part of. And like, for example, like one of the tools is like people that use the custodial wallets can choose to give their listeners more sats they can do the fountain ads, they can do all this different stuff. I can't do any of that because I'm self-custody. Yeah, so it's a great question and I'm so glad you asked it. There's a few things in that. So the first is just the smallest point is you can actually do a lot of the things in fountain without actually having to receive to the custodial wallet. So you can claim your show, still send all of the sats to your own node, but get access to the podcaster features within the app. But the main point, which I think you're asking is around, you know, building um, in the open, which, you know, we're, we're built upon podcast index and Adam and Dave have set the standard and we aim to follow that and adhere to that and encourage that. I kind of touched on it before, but ultimately we're competing against Spotify, Apple podcasts, Amazon podcasts, like that's who we're competing with. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is to provide a better service. And the thing that podcasters are so excited about and listeners is that this stuff works across apps. So right now, if you send a boost from CurioCaster and Fountain has a split there, that boost will display publicly on the episode page. 
that's just the first example. But yeah, I'm committed to working in the open and with Adam and Dave to make this work across app and across platform. And I think we're starting to see it. It's just, you know, it, it does take time. Like the geysers, the geyser integration is another thing. Like I had a call with geyser, but we didn't have to have an agreement. We didn't have to, you know, have a custom integration. They just did it. And it works with all the other apps, works with Podverse, works with Breeze. I think there's so much more that we can do there. And yeah, it's just, we're all resource constrained, you know, there's all of this exciting, exciting lightning stuff, but at the end of the day, we have to build a good podcast app for the listeners. Are you guys hiring? Uh, we're, we're not right now, but hopefully okay. we will be soon. Yeah. Cause people are listening. There's devs listening right now. I don't know if that answered your question, Matt, or if you'd like me to elaborate on anything. No, I appreciate the answer. It, it makes a lot of sense. I didn't know I could connect. I, I didn't know I could, uh, claim my podcast in fountain it doesn't it won't fuck anything up no it won't it, in fact i'll just dm you after and help you get set up but it won't mess up anything with where the sats are flowing because if you have a value block in your rss feed fountain and podcast index you know will never change the split so the the sats will always flow to your own node and also there's there's tools that you can enable directly on your own node that you know, are not offered by Fountain. So Helipad is one that works on um, whether it's Umbrella or I think you can yeah, install Helipad's it on awesome. any LND. And there's more coming every day. And so, yeah, I, I think hopefully the features that you see in Fountain um, will be that will work cross app. You know, there's been a lot of debate this year about cross app comments and how they're the same or different from, you know, some of the stuff that's going on with ActivityPub. Um, we, I feel like, and Adam, feel free to chime in. I feel like we're working all of this out and at some point we'll get to a point where, you know, whether you're listening on Fountain or Breeze or Podverse or Curiocaster, you'll be able to um, pay, message, comment, reply, like, all of the things that we do on current centralized um, social media, but it will work across app. And that's the way that we can actually compete with Spotify. What are you using to make it cross app? Noster? No, we're just we're just using the splits in the value block. So if okay. Fountain has a one percent split in the value block, we receive all the metadata, and that's the same cool. way all of the others do it. Very cool. Do you know uh, I do have a feature request? Uh, maybe it's not for maybe it's for your app. Maybe maybe it's it's a standalone thing that some dev who's listening might make it. What I want is. I want to be able to have people re like monetize custom syndication. So essentially what I want to do is, you know, there is a lot of pods who the, the hosts like talk about a bunch of shit I'm not interested on, but they're extremely high value to some stuff that they talk about that I like. Right. And, and there is a lot of people out there who would love to build a feed. Right. So they are the curators of that feed. Right. Yeah. And, and that it's funny. Feed, we, we, we're building it for you. Explain it. <laughs> Describe it. It's coming. Yeah. There you go. And, <laughs> and that feed you should pay a fee yeah. to the guy who puts it together. And then the, the lion's share goes to the creators who create okay. the pods. And the pods can sort of like block or not. They, they do whatever they want. But like, I'd love to have like feeds of topics that are just sitting there for literally me. literally the lot the last episode of podcasting 2.0 adam and dave were talking about this and and how we could do it so yeah okay so is it tomorrow week i'm just kidding 
Well, be careful because when it's ready, I'm going to ask you, where's your content? My content is already live. I, 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 please, I would love to see people monetize and also pay me for remonetizing my content. It would be amazing. It's called the uh, remote item tag, and it's a part of the, uh, the podcasting 2.0 namespace. And we've built it with two um, use cases in mind, the one that you're, that you're discussing. So an episode or a clip, you will be able to reference that in your feed. So let's just say you're making a feed of great little clips of content or episodes. You will then point that remote item. It's just a pointer to your block, to your item block of that episode or that clip. And it will inherit all of the properties, nice. including the value split. Um, now, Oscar is already doing a number of things with commenting and clips, which maybe you can just speak to, uh, because, I mean, although it's not cross-app, he's showing uh, something really important, and that is that people, uh, as, you, as Oscar, you just pick it up, that it's really the user, the listeners who are, uh, who are benefiting so much from parting with their money, yep. I might add. Yeah, so no, totally. the, way, the way clipping works on Fountain is you can create a clip um, from any episode using the transcript, which makes it a lot easier to do because if you have an audio waveform, especially on mobile, there's a lot of cognitive load. So when you create a clip via the transcript, it's much easier. Um, when you create a clip on Fountain, um, other Fountain users can like your clips and send you sats with their likes. Um, this is you know, amazing for um, the, the discovery because, um, yeah, one of the biggest problems in podcasting is especially if you love them is the time that you have in a day i mean luckily you can listen whilst you're doing other things and in dead time but still most people that love podcasts will have like 10 hours 15 hours a day of content that turns up in their feed and that's not even counting the amazing other content that's out there on the internet so yeah clipping is massive i think and you know we're just kind of like pushing ahead in fountain but we're definitely as i said before in response to matt's question we definitely want to make this um, an open system and go with whatever standard eventually comes out of podcast uh, podcast index. Because as I said, you know, if somebody creates a clip on Fountain, it, someone should be able to discover that, listen to it, and then click straight through to the episode on Podverse or somewhere else. And that's actually the value that we're creating and how we're going to compete against Spotify. And Spotify are never going to do that because they've invested hundred million, hundreds of millions of dollars in one direction. They're not going to turn that around. So yeah. Um, loads of new features and yeah we'll make it work across that I mean it was pretty cool when I saw people making clips of the show on Fountain it, it, it all like it's like okay it, you know and then you click on it you go to the actual episode and there is some nasty that happens there that, that was uh, it was sort of like a, a pleasant experience the other thing on the clipping is the back catalog so take RHR take podcasting 2.0 even if there's a developer listening right now that loves what Adam's been saying about podcasting 2.0 and wants to jump in there, you know, are they going to go back and listen to every single weekly episode? Some of them do, but it would be great if you could just go back and, you know, pick out highlights based on, you know, whether it's, you know, topics or tags or things like this, you know, go and look at all of the, you know, clips that reference the live item and maybe you can build something around that. Um, but again, this should work across app because we want to aggregate all of that content. One very cool thing that SoundCloud, I think, might have invented, I don't know if it was anywhere else before, was that graph showing which part of that sample uh, had the most amount of plays. 
right? Yeah, so, this so there already was, exists. This already exists in Fountain. This exists in three external. No, no, no. But before, no, this is like years and years yeah, and years ago. It's the same thing. It's exactly yeah, so, same so thing. Like, you know, so so like you send people to the part that's most heard of that pod, right? That becomes the auto highlight. Most boosted though, not most heard. Dude. Most boosted for you. Okay. You haven't seen statistics. <laughs> Have you seen statistics of 2.0 statistics, MBK? No. Okay. I I, I mean, I, I just need to share. I just need to blow your mind for a second, if it's possible, if you let me yeah, do Yeah, for that. sure. Okay. Yeah, I got it here. It's already up, baby. So look, these are all my these are all my episodes. So I'll just click on episode and here you see how many sats I received. And then it's going to uh it should show me the actual graph and it'll show you where where boostograms came in. Very cool. You know it's funny, right? This is this is a advertiser's dream because one of the biggest problems that advertisers have is the fact that they can't trust the numbers from the podcasters, right? Because there is no like good way for them to share. But it's just funny uh, and ironic in some way that uh, the value for value is going to get the best technology of well, analytics. The, the podcasters, the podcasters can't even trust the numbers we see before yeah, value for totally. value exists because there's all these bots that are that are doing all the downloads. All we see is a raw download number. Now, for the first exactly. time in my in yes. my short podcasting history, I have I know that there's someone listening that actually finds value in this and and they're providing it. And that's why we talked about charts earlier. Like what Oscar did with the fountain charts is the coolest charts ever because it's actually it just lists by how much value people thought was there. It's not like bullshit algorithmic metrics that black box that we don't know what Apple's yep. doing for their charts. You know, views, you know, are a very like soft target, right? Like the like an actual payment in that specific time stamp is a much more valuable metric for people. It's a high quality signal that you can't fake. That's right, because there's a cost, there's proof of work exactly. there that somebody else gave for that specific time spot. Back to hash cash, you know? All right, can I do my wishes before we all uh, go back into uh, how great it is? Because yes. there's a lot to wish for. First of all, what Oscar implemented with putting a fountain into the value block is something that I want the people listening to this podcast to think about. Because this is now, it has become what I call the, the podcaster API. So without under, have to understand how to, how to code anything, without having to uh, even do an authentication with somebody, without having to do sign-in, logins, whatever, there's a service, and, I'll, and one of them is BoostBot. So the BoostBot, um, if you put uh, a 1% split in your value block to the BoostBot, it will, uh, every single time someone boosts your show, it will post that on Mastodon, on an account. It's just a bot. It also posts it in the live chat room. And that's been expanded. You know, now there's all kinds of bespoke versions where you can be using it during a live show. If someone sends a certain amount, a different sound goes off. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff happening there. But the idea that I, as a non-technical podcaster, can just say, oh, wait a minute, here's a lightning address. If I put that split into my uh, into my uh, my feed, I get these services, and that can be a statistics package. It can be a commenting system. That will be the way that we make this cross kind of cross app, in my opinion, since it's the easiest way. Uh, maybe ActivityPub is something, but 
just want to say that that's, that's really critical what's happening here is the, the value split enables you to activate a service uh, that you otherwise probably wouldn't, you know, you, it would be too complicated for you to even think about how do I integrate that? Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, I wanted to point out for 10 years, I wasn't really aware of it, but for 10 years, the podcasting industry kept saying to each other, we can't make podcasting, oh, for effect, I'm going to, from time to time, just let you hear one of the uh, boosts come in. Um, we can't, we can't change podcasting. We can't upgrade it. We can't do anything because Apple won't do it or Spotify won't do it. And, and they actually got to groveling and, and please Apple, will you listen to us? And it was, it was just horrendous and it was impossible. They had boards and steering committees for 10 years, meetings, meetups. How do we move podcasting forward? How do we get more features in? You know what? Because people are just talkers. Most people are not builders. And we just sat down and built it. And then it came together because everyone really wanted it, but people like to yap a lot. So this is the same thing with the lightning infrastructure. I'm really disappointed with lightning infrastructure in general. I'm disappointed with the thinking, with the attitude of some of the developers. Uh, Bolt 12, which would be fantastic for what we're doing here, is, is now a punchline. It's just a fucking punchline. It's like, oh yeah, Bolt 12. Hey, you know, well, if, he, if Claire doesn't do it, they don't do it, whatever. But the most disappointing thing is that the lightning network is not, was not even really architected to do micropayments. And when I raised this early on in one of the uh, meetings with Lightning Labs, I said, you know, we're having a real problem uh, the way it's set up. And, you know, we're basically having to act as a go-between, a guaranteed uh, liquidity provider um, for very small amounts. You know, so when someone sends two sats or one sat as a part of a split, we'd like it to arrive. And we know that it's going to arrive with, uh, you know, so we have to do things like um, stack them up, you know, to reduce fees. And there's, there's all kinds of things that people are doing. But the answer from Lightning Labs was, we'll just have people send bigger amounts. So just so you know, the beauty of what we're talking about here is not what the industry is building. They are, they're doing something else. You know, they well, it's wanna... about incentives, right? A lot of this, this entities are trying to sort of like, you know, be visa replacements or whatever, because that's where the big <sighs> money is. Uh, so, so they are focusing their development in sort of essentially being the middleman because middleman as a business is a proven model. Right. But they talk a big game and I'm sick of that shit. You didn't, yeah. you're not building it for micropayments. Preach. We're doing it for micropayments. Now, all of this, again, I've been doing podcasting for a long time. Um, the education comes from the people. People teach people. People give people ideas. People hit people in the mouth. People tell people to go check something out. People tell people what music they should be listening to, what show they should be watching. Sure, advertising, marketing works. But when you have 100 people or 500 people or 5,000 people and you say, hey, today, go out and tell at least one person about my show. This is how podcasting works. It's how it's always grown. Hosting companies. I'm very proud of the hosting companies. They were the most static, non-innovative, <laughs> um, just kind of 
mill machines just cranking around doing the podcast thing. They need to take the big league, uh, the lead on educating podcasters. And many of them are. And there's a lot of enthusiasm. And so they're now enthusiastic amongst themselves. And now they need to translate that. They all have newsletters. They all have sign up. Why shouldn't they be doing onboarding? This is an ideal spot for them to integrate with any of the multiple providers. So this is the problem I have is a lot of talking. Well, we should, we need, and it's right there. People just have to do it. So again, podcast so hosting companies, they got to take the lead on a lot of this. And I think they can also take the lead on onboarding podcasters with wallets, et cetera. Some are they, already they doing need that. revenue, right? I mean, podcasting hosting companies have revenue. They're, they're doing fine. Well, I mean, they're losing a lot of business to Amazon and Google because, you know, like, no, they're not. It's not true. It's not true. They're not losing any business. Amazon and Google do not host your content. Oh yeah, sure. But no, what I meant is all these VPSs, right, that that are out there, like you can see a lot of them getting bought out and sort of like consolidation. And, you know, like this happened, say, about five, 10 years ago. A lot of that got eaten up by Google and, uh, and Amazon and Microsoft. But, you know, there is a lot of people now that have security needs. <laughs> they don't want to put their shit on Amazon. They don't want to get kicked out. Just so you know, there's podcast, podcast hosting is one of the most decentralized industries there is. And That's it's amazing. beautiful. And Spotify did purchase Anchor and uh, they now literally have become an anchor. It is, a, it is an unusable piece of crap. It's all junk. We have to filter out almost 2 million uh, podcasts. I need to get out of Anchor. So anyway, and, and you know, uh, X22 report was on Anchor. Oh, gee, they, they deleted my entire feed. Oh, there you go. You get what you pay for. Anyway, onboard your listeners. Ask, so you ask your listeners to try a new podcast app. It's very simple. Tell people, this is what you should try. Let me know if it worked for you. You know, reach out to me, reach out to someone else. Do you have some board where people, you know, a forum where people, uh, where your audience uh, converses amongst themselves? So ask listeners to also onboard other podcasters that they listen to. So, and, and some of this do this naturally, but you just have to ask people to do this. And I would say podcasters, if you have any question about how this works, both value for value with 15 years of experience and, and, and mainly PayPal and 15 years and, and, and uh, 15 months, really, a little bit longer, uh, with podcasting 2.0, which is only value for value, take the time, listen to a donation. We call it the donation segment, but it's about an hour, an hour and a half into any No Agenda episode. Listen to how we do it and please put a calculator next to your device and count up how we're doing. Do, do it for this pod right now. Let's let's hear it. As if no, you were doing no, no, for- no, 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 you're missing, you're missing the point. It's, it's going to be unique. My, my, no, I understand, my, but people need examples, right? And they may not sort of like go and listen to no, it. No, I just told them, no, 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 this is my wish list. Oh, I, I see. want people to go listen to no agenda, uh, to listen to a segment and then also listen to podcasting 2.0. Any, which comes about an hour into the show, listen to the amounts, listen to how we do it, listen to what we say, listen to what we ask, and please keep a calculator next to your device and tell me this shit doesn't work. 
And then we need new experiences. There is an open API, there is, which is incredibly rich. There's a place where we all hang out, podcastindex.social. It's a Mastodon. You're welcome to come in. Um, you're welcome to even follow us from, from anywhere, any Mastodon uh, or ActivityPub uh, compatible account. And look at what else you could build. We don't, it doesn't just have to be the traditional, hear the podcast on the left, here's what I subscribe to, et cetera, et cetera. It can be any kind of listening experience. It can be an experience where maybe engagement with Satoshis is more important than the podcast itself. There are so many different things that can be done. All you have to do is just come in, take a look. There's, it's a very, very rich environment, incredibly well-documented. Um, and, and I know that there are some people who are doing this, uh, but there's so much more that can be done. And on deck is music. And we're going to blow the shit up when we do it with music. We're going to blow it up. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Did I, did I, because we, we followed a few tangents. So I just want to make sure I didn't miss anyone. Did everybody give their wish list of things they want to be built? Gigi, did you? Yes, you did. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So guys, we're almost at two hours here. I'm happy to to bring on more topics or or like you know like maybe maybe we start wrapping up. Yeah, there, there was <laughs> there was a, an audience question here. Why do they think there are so few user supported monetization business models that work outside of OnlyFans? Uh, that's one question. I don't even think there are so few. You just have to think about it in the right way. Like Twitch, for example, is one. Substack is one. Patreon is one. Kickstarter is one. There's plenty online. There's also plenty offline. You just have to research this some more. Like this is quite big. I think we covered pretty much all these questions that are here. Okay, so just before we sort of start wrapping up and stuff, whoever knows the, let's say, the, the top podcast 2.0 apps for people to both listen to and syndicate or, or host, like if you could just list a few that podcasters and users could like go to, to use. We made a handy website for that new podcast apps.com. And it's a matrix. You can see what the features are and it's not just, you can filter by podcast apps, by hosting companies, also by other, uh, other services, uh, that are 2.0 compatible new podcast apps.com. Cool. All right, guys. I think I'm going to wrap up now. I think we left this at like a, like a perfect note there. I think we covered a lot of stuff. This was, this was phenomenal conversation. Even for me, who was a bit on the fence, I think, uh, I think I'm sort of being pushed over. Let's say I've been kicked over to the other side of the value for value. I think it's fun. And, and you know, I'm in a position that I can actually attempt to do some of that. So yeah, I'm waiting for, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get a lot of value for value if people see the value on my fountain. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So any final thoughts? I think it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good place to to start at that. Gigi, do you wanna do you wanna go first and, and give us your final thoughts? Yeah, I can I can only repeat repeat what I tried to say. I think you can't sell a JPEG like you can sell an Apple. That's very important to understand. You can't do any kinds of micropayments with credit money. It's just impossible. Fees will eat your life, cult of hard risk will wreck you. So we have to use Bitcoin and Lightning. And you have to build this out in the open, open standards. You absolutely have to. It's what made the internet great. Net neutrality and open standards made the internet great and made, made what it is. And I think the same is true for Lightning. And I agree with Adam's criticism on kind of, you know, like the infighting and kind of 
um, weird incentives from the different Lightning implementations and those kind of things. And, you know, many people having different motivations of what they are building and why they are building it out. But the easy solution is just to go ahead and build it yourself. And that's what I try to do as well. So I, I'll do my best to work on the value for value for tax side. And I have many ideas and many plans. So if you're interested in that, please reach out. I should be very easy to reach. I might even consider reopening my Twitter DMs for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's important. And I keep on banging on this in every conference I, I speak. It's just nobody needs permission to build on Bitcoin. If the Lightning implementations that are available don't work for you, start a new one. You know, you. I agree. It's amazing. Like, you don't need to work with any of the shit that's available. You can go and do your own thing. You also don't need any permission to start a value for value podcast or do a value for value video thing or do a value for value text thing. Just do it. That's, that's, that's how it's done. That's right. Get it done. Oscar, any final thoughts? No, I think I uh, probably covered it all. I would just say, yeah, if you, I guess, number one, if you haven't tried out Fountain, please give it a try and let me know if you have any feedback. And then the second thing is just, you know, whether it's through value for value and lightning uh, or just a different method, you know, go and thank the content creators that you listen to or watch um, because um, I know that it helps them and it's not just the sats that they receive, but it's the messages as well. So, you know, if you enjoyed the conversation, take this opportunity to go and, um, yeah, thank your favorite podcaster or, or creator. Awesome. Mr. Curry, final thoughts? Yes, I'm very privileged and I, I'm blessed to be uh, working on this project, Podcasting 2.0, podcastindex.org. Uh, it, it encompasses more. Um, it is my firm belief that because of the flow of Satoshis that we designed with the value for value uh, splits, um, that that has uh, maybe even subconsciously drawn such an incredible group of developers, strategists, podcasters, listeners, writers, artists, nut jobs, banjo players, everything to this orchestra. And because Everyone knows that they can have a piece of some actual action if they contribute, uh, even the people who do chapters or trans, I mean, there's so many things, everybody can participate. And when I step back and I see the 50 to 100 people who are active in building this out every single day, I've, I had a very large company at one point publicly listed. There's no way, I couldn't, I couldn't spend, have a hundred million dollar a year payroll and afford or even find or retain this type of incredible caliber. So there's something magical about the value for value flow that is not just from one point to the next, but what happens with it in between that is making these types of open projects not just incredibly effective and successful, but really enjoyable. So I'm, I'm blessed and I, I really appreciate everybody who participates in it. That's everybody uh, on this call, of course. I really appreciate y'all. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Likewise, Adam. Thanks for everything you started there. Odell. Matt has like literally one of my favorite podcasts in the space. And, uh, you know, as usual, it's a pleasure having you here again as a guest. <laughs> and... Uh, Please, Matt, why, why don't you drive this home and give us your final thoughts here? I want to thank you guys for this conversation. I truly enjoyed it. You guys are all legends. 
This is my 11th straight Bitcoin dot review. Um, I want to say to the audience that uh, I've enjoyed the journey with you all. Um, my time is scarce, uh, and I need to focus on things that are. Uh, MVK clearly does not want to co-host, uh, so this might be my last Bitcoin dot review. So if that is the case. Uh, consider opening your favorite podcasting app and searching Citadel Dispatch and uh, joining the value for value revolution. Boost, boost, boost. There you go. I think this was, uh, it was very uh, enlightening in, uh, in, in regards to value for value. I think, I think I've, I've learned a lot here. I think there is a lot of hope for this model. I think at the end of the day, content producers gain a lot more, audiences gain a lot more value uh, because they will have less noise. The The content quality will go up. You know, as I like to say, you know, Bitcoin is value go up technology because you don't need count go up for value to go up. I think that applies to everything that Bitcoin touches. You know, Bitcoin fixes everything. Lightning is very nascent. It has a lot of confusion, even from the people who are working on it. But I, I think either Lightning or something like Lightning uh, will take off because it's just it's just there, right? I mean, it's obvious. It's just people need to work it through, uh, and it's very complicated. I think uh, I think I, I really need to uh, thank Mr. Odell for being such a incredible guest. Uh, I think. Uh, as much as I'd love to have him as my co-host, I think it's fun to try to do something by myself. But, you know, Matt knows that he's always welcome. And if he wants to come on every episode, he comes to. But uh, I need to do this. For those who don't know, we are uh, the new sponsor of uh, Rabbit Hole Recap. <laughs> uh, starting, I can't remember the date. I made sure to get the money in the bank. And then I came on to tell you that the ad model is broken. So thank you for your service. That's right. And, <laughs> and you know, I think it's very important for, uh, regardless if you, if you want to do the value for value as a company, I think it's very important for companies to find a way to sponsor, patron, and support educators in their industry. You know, as a business... Uh, you have to find some way in which you, you do get sales somehow, right? Like like out of the dollar spent, it needs to work. But I think there is ethical ways of doing that. I think there is a requirement for you to do that. I think you should spend some of those dollars you make as a company back into education on the community and find a way in which there is a win-win with content producers as well. Maybe, you know, the advertising model goes away at some point and then that's unrequired and then you can use those ad dollars on something else. That, that's at least how I feel. I'm very thankful, guys. Like, seriously, uh, you know, like, this is just like another one of these panel episodes that like, it's fucking awesome. Uh, it's great to have like people who are actually building shit, they're not LARPers and, uh, and have, have opinions to share and, and are open to discussions. I, I'm very, very grateful you are all here. So uh, you all have a, a, an amazing rest of your days. Cheers. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow at Bitcoin Review HQ or get in touch on Telegram, Bitcoin Review Pod, 
or BitcoinReview at CoinKite.com. We don't have a crystal ball, so let us know about your projects. Leave your boostagram on this episode and we'll try to read it on the next episode. If you don't know much about Value for Value or Bitcoin Podcast 2.0, go to bitcoin.review slash v4v. Mm-hmm.